Exes for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm Nico at Nico Action, N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N on Twitter and Instagram. Now, Ten of Swords may be done, but that doesn't mean the X-Men are going anywhere. As a matter of fact, a number of books are going to be launching out of the event. But, here on X's for Podcast, before that happens, as the X-Men have begun to reintegrate into the Marvel Universe, thanks in part to, we'll just say, some magical business mergers, the X-Men are beginning to show up in all sorts of titles. Notably, Wolverine, because that's kind of what Wolverine does. But before we can get into our expanded coverage of the Marvel Universe's Merry Mutants, first up, we have team favorite The Hellions. Now, this issue of Hellions centered so much on Sinister being sassy, I knew exactly who had to be covering it. In this next segment, we have Rod, Arturo, and Raven, and they break down what makes Hellions such a unique book, whether it's the beautiful art or it's Zeb Wells's unique ability to capture the sassiness of Sinister in all of his Nathaniel-esque glory. There's just something special about this book and something special about this team covering it. We hope you guys enjoy X's for Podcast's coverage of Hellions number 7. This is X's for Podcast, and I'm Arturo. Joining me today are Raven. Hello, I'm Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento. I am lovingly joined by Arturo and Rod. Rod, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm Rod. You can find me at Rod, the on Twitter and Instagram. And let's get started, Arturo. And I'm Arturo, and you can catch me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. All right, today we are covering Hellions number seven, written by Zeb Wells, with art by Steven Segovia and colors by David Curio. The dust has settled and Saturnine's games have ended. After being betrayed and murdered by Sinister, the Hellions have been resurrected on Krakoa, with some complications, specifically for those who perished in Araco. Nanny is more Nanny, Wild Child is more Wild Child, and Orphan Maker is a problem. In order to solve that problem, the Hellions need Nanny's ship, which yes, is shaped like an egg, but also it has legs, and it has been repossessed by the right, a group of mutant-hating racists from the X-Men's past, led by a familiar cyborg face. All right, let's get into it. This so, issue, <laughs> we are <laughs> out of we are out of other worlds, and we are back on Krakoa, and it is good to be on Krakoan soil. Mm-hmm. So I would love since our first page is the council. Yes. I, I know we're we're never going to get a council book, but if we ever got like a one shot of just like the daily different meetings of the council, I would love for Zeb Wells to write it because I love how he writes to council members. <laughs> <laughs> their arguments and everything with each other and then their cattiness. He oh just, God, yes. he, he gets cattiness so well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sinister and Emma and Mystique. Ugh, I love it. I love how Exodus is like such a good foil for Sinister. Like they're always just at each other's heels. It's like, it's just so good. Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for a, for a foil. 
quiet council meeting. It was interesting to see Jane is still there. I don't know if that was just a little editorial oversight. I would totally be fine with her retaining her seat now that she's back from, from Otherworld. I think that might just be an oversight. I guess we'll find that out later. See, my theory is that they're like, well, Jean, you we don't have a replacement for you yet. So mm-hmm. your job is to find your replacement. That's your job. So you're or it could have been, oh, <laughs> you, you, you were right. We did all need to go there or lose the battle completely. Are that? Yeah, they're like, you know what? You were right. Maybe you should still have your seat. Because, <laughs> yeah, because like Storm is sitting right next to her, kind of looking at the rest of the council like, you bunch of dumbasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Storm and Jean are so over sinister. Because, I mean, <laughs> how could they not be? Right. I'm over sinister and I love him, but like, ooh, he's. I just love that. Like, it seems like everybody is pretty aware that Sinister is up to no good. You know what I mean? Like, it seems, yeah, it seems very clear. And, uh, and I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that we have this, you know, snake in the garden and, and everybody knows that that's what he is. You know what I mean? And it's, it's better to have him here at the table, although he's still skulking away in the shadows, than, than to have him on a counter. You know, sinister exactly. would be would could be much more problematic if he wasn't here. Exactly. Um, and then, all right, so let's jump into the resurrection. I gotta just go to the most obvious thing: the big shocking reveal that underneath mm. her egg costume, <laughs> Nanny is actually egg shaped. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that was that's bonkers. what drew my attention. <laughs> yeah, that is bonkers. I still don't understand anything about Nanny or Orphan Maker's powers. I think that is uh, that's probably a good thing. I, I think there's <laughs> there's well, there's something to be said for when uh, when a character has a poorly defined power set. Like mm-hmm. Sinister is a great example of that. Nobody's a hundred percent clear what Sinister's abilities are, mm-hmm. and and that kind of just lends itself to to telling whatever story we're in uh he can kind of he just he kind of like can adapt he has some telepathy he has some telekinesis he has some shape shifting and then for whatever he doesn't have as a as his own natural ability he's got tech devices and whatever to to make it they they did touch a little bit on orphan makers um ability and it's basically a, a kind of a viral infection and i'm guessing that it infects and kills the older pop- population Maybe. so yeah they were afraid of it not just spreading through Kakoa, but actually spreading to the rest of the world so i'm guessing it's one of those virulent things that has no cure does not die kind of thing and could end a population mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my my question is how do they i want to know how charles xavier and them know this like i want to know how they found this out or did they just like read his psyche and find out what his power was like i want to know the process of this and i hope i'm sure we'll find it out later mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm very excited to find that out and i'm hoping that at one point um because we never seen her out of her egg. No. And, right. And I'm I'm hoping that with this going back to, you know, the old base of Cameron Hodge and finding her egg and that she's more evolved now that we will see her break out of that egg and see this like badass older woman mutant because I mean she's older now she's probably like mm-hmm. 60s I'm assuming yeah like, I old. So. so I because I, I, we don't get that many older mutants honestly on Kokoa so I would well, like well I mean I think like the whole concept of older is really tricky now especially now that we've seen her resurrected like there was a time before this where I could have been like well yeah this is this is the original nanny that we saw back in x-men one whatever Mm -hmm. 
but now like now for sure we've seen her resurrected so i think that once you resurrected there is a little bit of like a, a reboot there uh, where you're kind of like your optimal age mm, yeah. Um, yeah which is like a loosely defined like maybe early 30s probably yeah but yeah. I, I want to see an older mutant other than you know daddy magneto uh <laughs> right because you know like well it's funny because magneto's the one that i want to see come back younger because i feel like that would that's something that would just like make sense like yeah yeah but i mean there's there's kind of that to me there's a bit of an ageism component when you don't show that yes there are some older mutants how are you going to have everybody in their 30s and yet you know that apocalypse is like thousands of years old Mm -hmm. like there's there's got to be a little bit of an in-between not everybody's going to be 30 not everybody wants to die and then be resurrected so wait i'm gonna pour one out for my boy apocalypse we're missing (laughs) you we miss you blue dad wherever you are live i know i know we hope he's doing well just getting some with forward. the wife i i'm okay looking forward to his return one day i'm okay with him being away for a while with his family. the way he went away was so so incredibly well done that i'm mm-hmm. totally okay with like yeah. that to me is like it's like for me when when you when you're gonna either kill a character or banish them to another realm or whatever like mm-hmm. make it make it worthwhile you know what i mean yeah. make it like make it a big moment make it a big deal mm-hmm. and and they did that so well that like whether it takes a year or five five years for him to reappear on on panel i'm totally okay with because the way yeah. he went down was like such a g that it's all good <laughs> yeah which is why uh, it's so great when you come back to krakoa and you've got mutants being erected uh resurrected from uh arako that yeah they've, they've been sharpened up they've been honed yes they and, are, man, and many stuff. of these and many of these mutants were also erect yes that is true. <laughs> <laughs> now yes. wild child looks like Sabretooth's cousin even more oh uh, he right. always has he's <laughs> always looked like Sabretooth's little baby yeah he's, yeah. he's I, like Sabretooth's runt this looks yes. like a cousin that could give him a run for his money yep oh yeah no i i totally agree with Greg like resurrection agreed with these two for sure like <laughs> i how much i love the the like the, the warm camaraderie there with gray crow like how he's like so happy to see wild child the way he is it's so cool like i'm really buying that this team is is starting to bond you know yeah. and empath continues to be a, a miserable little shit that nobody <laughs> likes yeah. but it's it's perfect like he's he's part of the family you know? every he's, every family needs a black sheep to every yeah every family <laughs> every family needs an asshole yeah absolutely definitely. and uh i think one thing that was really interesting and we were talking a little bit about this in the in the green room was this call back to the fallen angels block and I just, I, I think this does definitely deserves a little bit of a recap. Um, you know, Fallen Angels was a, uh, a, oh God, was a, <laughs> was a controversial miniseries, you know, that, uh, that was met with a lot of mixed reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think, <laughs> I think it, even, I think even the, e- I think even the harshest critics of Fallen Angels still had high hopes for it. I think the high hopes of it is kind of part of why it fell so flat because it, it just, the execution was so bad. Uh-huh. 
you know, there's a lot that happened there that I would have been fine with no one ever mentioning it again. Like we just move on and tell other stories, right? Mm -hmm. But seeing Zeb Wells go back and pick up those threads and he's continuing to build on this uneasy alliance, this this situation relationship here with Sinister and, and Quan and, and that he wove Apoc back into the story and and Quanin's daughter. Like that was such an unexpected twist for this. Like I I just didn't think that was going to happen. And I think it's so cool. They've definitely been leading up to it, I feel like, in Hellions. Because he's, he's always been like, you know, you have to do this for me because I'm scratching your back. Now you have to scratch mine. Right. But we never yeah. knew. We we, we kind of, if you read Fallen Angels, you kind of knew what that meant. But you didn't know if they are referencing that or not. It was kind of like in the back of my mind. At least it was... In my head, I think I had kind of simplified it to mm-hmm. he knew he knows where her daughter is and he's kind of like protecting, you know what I mean? Like kind yeah. of like almost like a witness relocation type of setup. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't remember Fallen Angels well enough to, to really <laughs> remember a uh, straight up, you know, to really remember what happened with Apoth and what happened with her daughter. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think Zeb Wells did a good job of just like here, all you remember were that those two characters existed perfect that's all you need to know now they are here in the in the data bank and and now that's all you like that's raven you you didn't even know that about the fallen angel story right yeah i i had no idea about the fallen angels uh that was during a time period where i wasn't reading uh comics so much and so right. yeah i was like what what's going on there what? <laughs> i mean like what kind of blackmail that's all i can think is what kind of blackmail does he have on her because i know so I know Quanin from like the way back when and she, she she was a little bit of a hellcat and you know like a very strong character so she did not bend um readily especially to just idle threats mm-hmm. so the fact that she's like jumping in front of sinister and defending him I'm like why you know? he's gotta have mm-hmm. dirt on her like super big dirt and then he's like yeah by the way I got your daughter well I have your daughter's uh uh Essence. code yeah the the data code for her here and it's intact i'm like oh, you son of a bitch yeah that's what you i really i really much. enjoy that like even with the um the not so satisfying stories of mm-hmm. the you know the new hickman run don of x even mm-hmm. with the ones that people didn't really like they're still like hey those stories matter they happened even if they weren't popular you know mm-hmm. they're still part of the history and they still happen so we're still going to bring it up they still mattered you know well, and she got her vengeance so oh yeah she's <laughs> She destroyed his ship. I love. I love killed that. Clive. That was so fucking cool. Like, I, well, okay, but also like not the best plan because now not you're an enemy. Plan. You're in enemy territory now with no ride home. Yeah, so not the best that. Plan kind of was like why why would you do that but you know i i understand that uh just doing logical things isn't always the most interesting thing no they'll have a ride home is they'll have a ride home as long as they can because they're there for nanny's ship they're there for nanny's ship so yeah they could take that back that's true that's true one thing i want to go back on is um the the one page of Emma and Havoc I thought was really interesting because yeah. the reason like one of the reasons it's many reasons why Havoc is all crazy but one of the main reasons is that Emma you know fucked up his head a while ago and um, I forget what run that was but it was it was like two years ago I think mm-hmm. when she was working with Lady Sinister and trying to do all this other stuff um, and she made Havoc kind of evil and like fucked with his brain and gave him one eye and all this other stuff mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why wait 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 
wait, wait, wait. That was Emma? I thought that was uh, the Axis storyline. Mm, I mean, he's his brain has been... Um, he's been scrambled a couple yeah, of times. scrambled before, but it was... Oh, I was I don't remember which run this was. I think it was Axis because that's that's when Sabretooth became a good guy. Oh no! Uh, yeah, it was that's... when when good guys became bad guys and bad guys became good. Oh guys. yeah, that that was one time. That was one time too. But I'm talking about two years ago or three years ago. Um, right before it was like during the X Men Gold X Men Blue runs. Okay. And I think it was X Men Blue and. The X and Blue team was trying to stop Emma, Lady Sinister, and like some other people, basically trying to um, make everybody mutants or something like that. Like they had like a plan to do something to the human race. And like she, you know, Havoc lost his eye during that Death of X Cyclops run, and like she messed with his mind, gave him like robot parts or whatever. It was it was weird. <laughs> those aren't <laughs> those aren't my favorite runs, but that's one of the reasons why his brain is like all scrambled still because Emma really messed him up and it, she couldn't really ever help him back because she said if she went any deeper, she could basically break his brain. And I like that they went back on this and are like, hey, like you still need to work this out yourself because yeah. even Emma is like, I can't I can't go in and help you. Like you have to, this is something you have to do. I can't just psychically make you better and you're still not better. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and I think it's really interesting that Havoc is on this team. I think it's, it's a smart choice that they are not just wiping away his trauma, you know, because like the thing with Havoc is his, his beat has always been kind of, he's like the poor man Cyclops, right? Like he's, he's the stand in Cyclops when Cyclops isn't available, you know? Yeah. And like, and I think, I mean, at least that's that's how he imprinted on me in a big way, because when I really fell hard for the character was back when he and Polaris, Strong Guy, and Jamie Mavericks all uh, started, you know, became the new X-Factor team. And it was very much like Cyclops used to be the leader of this team, and he's gone, so Havoc is now the leader. And I think that's interesting, and I think that's, that's you know, that's fine for what it is, but that happened so long ago, and so much has happened since then, and Havoc has been through so much of his own shit mm -hmm. that it's it's a credit that they're not just like doing the easiest the easy thing and being like oh well he was resurrected so now we can kind of reboot him back to like the 90s and make him a watered down cyclops it's like no like let's <laughs> let's not just oversimplify him let's let's really like dig into this uh this difficulty and the fact that he's not such a you know a, a, an irredeemable asshole right like mm -hmm. like empath or whatever like yeah. he adds a little he adds a little bit of like credibility to the team he makes yeah. the team seem a little him more x-men adjacent right yeah him and yeah. Quan, you know I, I think it's good that quantum doesn't have any kind of romantic uh undertones with anybody yet i think oh, that's something that like yeah we don't have to jump to that um you know i i loved when 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 betsy was in quantum's body and she was with archangel i thought that was like they were a really good pairing for the time yeah, they, they had both they, and they had both gone through similar trauma uh, and you know being manipulated by other people and their killer instincts have been sharpened and all of that and like but i'm glad she's not like dating archangel you know I'm, I'm glad that that's going in a different direction and i'm glad that they're just like letting her be herself and have her own agenda and she's kind of a leader of this team to an extent I'm, but I'm, she's yeah. you know she's more of a field leader than like yeah. yeah she's not she's not there dealing with the quiet council you know what yeah I mean? she's she's just dealing with sinister and i think that's it's a good spot for her i'm 
honestly amazed that because I I know a bit about Havoc. Like Havoc has been scrambled a lot by different people, so I'm honestly amazed that he's not either more unstable because they could have honestly played that up to the point where he's like, yeah, he's just he's not mentally functional. Um, but yeah, you could you could tell that he has like PTSD. He's very traumatized. Like the facial expressions are just beautifully done oh, and yeah. you could see yeah. the amount of just the pain the angst the trauma in his face so you know that he is still really going through shit and i know people love emma frost but i've never been a huge fan of hers because she's manipulative but she really kind of lacks empathy and just her face at the bottom of that page was just yeah you should stay in the hellions it's better for everybody i'm like bitch he is traumatized like could you give him a hug i mean jesus you're part of the problem you're part of the reason he is as scrambled as he is and messed up as he is like could you talk to him you don't even have to like do a deep dive into his mind but like just be human just talk to him help him through some of this shit well as as a as a very long time (laughs) as a long time emma fan i gotta say that this was a good week for Emma Stans like we were fed it was it was so nice to see her get that little moment in X Factor it was nice uh, to see her get yeah. this moment here with, with Havoc uh, you know I if I have one one uh, one big problem with X of Swords is that there was no Emma in it at all yeah. and uh, and it's nice to see her back in the mix she's like one of the people on the council that I'm always so eager to hear from you know what I mean like whatever the whatever the controversy whatever the topic i want to know what emma's take is i want to see how she's voting and and i think she just has an approach that is uh that is very practical and very shrewd and not without compassion she's she's definitely a compassionate person but she doesn't let mm. she doesn't let she's never blinded by her compassion. Mm. she's she's compassionate to selective people like exactly uh, like she she loves scott she loves kate um, she loves certain other people that aren't X-Men like she loves like Jessica Jones and she has like a special spot for um, someone else I can't remember but it's like so very so like she likes strong-willed people basically like very like she's a cat indi- yeah she like <laughs> she likes independent people that aren't like needing somebody else which I don't know why she likes Cyclops but anyway um, <laughs> so that's why she <laughs> that's why she doesn't like Havoc because Havoc is like such a dependent person he needs someone to always be like to love him like he well he look at him. his freaking childhood i mean i mean Jesus. yeah i mean he has an excuse so <laughs> yeah there's a reason he needs people yeah yeah and I, I think she just she has like an affection for him that uh that's kind of like left over from basically him being you know her brother-in-law for, you know, she for, reminds for me so of long. mallory archer i have no oh, more yeah. love to give today <laughs> yes <laughs> younger Mallory Archer, yeah, I yes. yeah, she's yes. very that, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I think she, I think she would invite the comparison. Mm. Okay, yeah, okay, that, okay, that's just. Shifts me a little. I still don't love her. Still don't love her. Oh my god! <laughs> but she makes more sense now. Can we talk about how Wild Child and, and um, Nanny were beating up the big giant robots? Like Nanny had like oh, a strength dude. fist. <laughs> they like Nanny seemed like such a, a bit more of a passive support type. 
And yeah, the, her and and Wild Child went ham on those robots. Yeah, I'm really gonna have to get a better grasp of what Nanny's power is, other than being shaped like an egg and beating ass. Um, yeah, I don't get it, but I'm intrigued. I don't get it. I don't get it, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I, I think I think everybody unanimously could have said like nobody asked for a book with Nanny and Orphan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they they were a weird story, like a relic from Claremont's time mm-hmm. and you know they were fun and they were weird and you want to they talk were about... kind of like in the past so like to bring them back has been so unexpected and like they're just so compelling like and I like that there's all this mystery about you know who they are and why they are and I think I think it's interesting that this is worked that this is the the hill Zeb Wells is going to die on <laughs> it's like telling the story of Nanny and Orphan Maker like fuck that's so cool you know, know. and like, everybody's wanna... loving it I'm like raving you want to talk about characters you don't really like i remember reading inferno and like not liking nanny or orphan maker at all i was like who are these characters i don't care about them they're stealing children i don't even care about nate gray like i'm like can we can we i don't screw those orphans (laughs) yeah i I didn't i still don't care about cable i I don't i like them a little bit more now but still anyway Mm. but i was like i don't care about them but like zeb wells when i when they were announced that they were the team i was like oh we're bringing them back i thought they were Mm. gone forever um but then he they're back now obviously yeah. and I, I i really love them like zeb wells really put his whole foot into these mm-hmm. characters yeah and i'm like man he i they're some of my favorites now like not top 10 or anything but mm-hmm. definitely some of my favorite kooky characters yeah they're far more compelling now they are mm-hmm. far far more engaging before you could have yeah you could have easily just kind of tossed them to the side and like oh yeah you're kind of that quirky villain you're gonna get your ass beat so yeah mm-hmm. go away yeah but now you're like Damn. I need to dig up like the older issues of Hellions and do like a side by side comparison of what Nanny looks like. Because she definitely mm-hmm. looks more menacing now. Like her oh, yeah. eyes are a little more tilted. I think she's got the, I think the shoulder pads are new. Oh, like yeah. she's she came out looking, you know, ready to ready to rumble. She went from Humpty Dumpty to Thumpty Dumpty. <laughs> she is hard boy. Yes. Thumpty yes. Dumpty. Damn. I love it. I love that. Well, because oh, I mean, like God. before it's like oh i'm broken i have to ride this horse because i can't take care of myself and in this one she's like bitch rock <laughs> like, oh my god <laughs> bitch like, rock like, like you like the look on havoc's face is so perfect like is that nanny wrecking a smiley <laughs> Like, oh shit. <laughs> I think we were all having that moment because, like, you expect Wild Child to go in and just go full tilt. But mm. the fact that Nanny is, like, beating him to the punch quite literally, it's like, wow. Hey. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, like, what an unexpected twist for, for Nanny. So cool. I'm so glad that the right is now on the board. Like, for mm-hmm. me, I'm a sucker for the right, the purifiers, the friends of humanity like all that whole trope of basically racist humans who are using technology and and cybernetics or whatever to get a leg up on the on the mutants that's like x-men you know that yeah. that is and uh, you know getting into like how did cameron hodge get resurrected and whatever like last time i saw him i think was during uh necrotia right when i when, think so 
when the through the technarchy, all of those all of those racist bigot uh, characters came back, and it was like Graydon Creed, Cameron Hodge, drawing a blank. But you know what I mean, like yeah, that, yeah. that like seeing those characters come back is is always a plus because they just make sense. Cameron Hodge is the kind of character that I don't think should be uh, killed off, or or the type of problem that should be solved. It should kind of be like there's always you know a different cell or a different group still doing you know the good racist work of the right somewhere so even mm-hmm. if you beat if you think you beat them there's still you know some that you don't know about uh, yeah and i think that's, I I think that's a good that's a good adversary for for this group yeah definitely i mean he's I kind agree. of he's sort of techno organic isn't he Oh yeah, yeah he's, he's been like yeah, remade like, again and again because he right from- and like back in the day, like his first thing was basically he made a deal with a demon. I forget if it was, I think it was Nastir, uh, and basically he was also infected with a techno organic virus. So he had like mm-hmm. his face was still intact and like these right. little broken eyeglasses. Uh, but then he had this like huge robotic scorpion kind of yeah. body mm-hmm. and. And uh, yeah, and then he was decapitated, but then he came back. And yeah, so there's there's yeah. definitely like a part of him that is just like permanently melded with. Well, but you could see it like slithering up his neck. So that's why I was like, oh, that's that that looks like the techno organic signatures that they like to give certain characters. And then and then I did a little bit of research on him because uh, I was like, crap, I should know him. And uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's right. He had that big, ugly, clunky kind of uh, uh, robotic or, or, or techno organic kind of grossness going on. So, yeah, like uh, maybe he just uploaded his consciousness into a slightly slimmer model <laughs> and see that's that why around a bit more that's why i'm like he's a hypocrite because he's like oh, i'm gonna destroy you because you're you're not human and i'm like you're not human yes. either bitch like- yeah at this point at this point yeah totally no and, and like it makes me wonder seeing him back on this page makes me wonder if we're gonna get a little uh a little appearance from from warren worthington the third because oh yeah yeah because archangel i mean if he has an arch enemy aside from apocalypse from Anna, <laughs> and bread comes in the park uh it would <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That was, that was great. Funny. That was funny. That was good. Sorry. Um, it's Cameron Hodge, though. Cameron Hodge murdered yeah. his girlfriend, Candy Southern, his soulmate, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cameron Hodge and him, like they've got bad blood that you know that's like on par with like Sabretooth and Wolverine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. If you're if you're fucking with Wolverine, you can or, or with Sabretooth, you can expect Wolverine's going to show up to settle a score, and it's kind of like a similar situation. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be curious to see if he if he makes an appearance. Maybe he'll come um, and save the day. <laughs> let's not, let's not get like, carried away. Whoa, whoa. And honestly, we are we've we already got uh, our himbo cord quota. Is I think <laughs> like we've got havoc and gray crew. So I don't know if we need Ward Worthington. Shut up! Around. We can always have more himbos. More himbos, <laughs> himbo rights. Uh, well, here, well, actually, there, there. That's a question I have for both of you guys. So, uh, Raven, let me ask you: Who are some characters that you would like to see appear in the pages of Hellions going forward? Oh. oh. 
It's like, this is definitely, yeah, this is definitely like our ragtag group of misfits. And like Zeb Wells obviously is, is only too eager to dig into like the dustbin and pull out like old characters and old grudges and and crazy shit. So that's what I, that's what I think I'm loving the most out of it. Well, that's not true. The thing that I'm really loving the most out of this is the comedic, the the comedic timing of Mm. Wells is like just great. Like his sinister is so funny, but my second favorite thing is all of the these obscure characters coming back so yeah who's who's some randoms that you guys want to see yeah what about marrow do we have marrow we marrow that's marrow let me tell you hellions is ripe for marrow marrow is exactly the kind of disaster that should be on this team Mm. the the last time we saw marrow was when which went nowhere by the way was when we saw <laughs> when we saw Magneto make the Brotherhood of Mutants again at the end of X Men Blue, um, oh. I keep bringing X Men Blue back. <laughs> um, but it was at the end of X Men Blue. He's on the moon again. He was with um, one of his human com- agent companion people, and then he had Marrow and Toad and like some other people there, like all members of the Brotherhood that were you know past mm-hmm. members, new members. And they had this whole team, and we we're like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen?" And then we never saw that again. And then all this other stuff happened. And then you know, Donovan. So- so, so it was more like X-Men blue balls. Yeah, it was definitely blue balls. I think the, there was a lot of stuff happening with the X-Team, obviously. And then Hickman mm-hmm. came. And then, you know, they kind of scrapped a lot of stuff. So, yeah. but that's no, the last I, time we've seen her. So. I would love to see Marrow. <laughs> I am I am so into that idea of Marrow. Like this this seems like such a good team for Marrow. Like I would love to see at some point we're gonna have to solve the problem of Sabretooth. Like we can't just leave him in that hole forever. Like as it is, as it is, like you know he's gonna come out eventually and you know he's gonna be pissed. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a that's a problem we should get out ahead of. Uh and and I think Hellions would be a cool team for him. Mm. Um, you know, one mutant that uh that we haven't seen i think anywhere i mean he might have been in the green lagoon but um we haven't seen anything from avalanche speaking of pyro and going back to like old school you know brotherhood of evil mutants like Mm -hmm. avalanche avalanche and pyro were always such a in my head like such a little pair that I, I don't know i would love to see him back i feel like richter has kind of moved into uh you know like you don't you don't need avalanche if you've got richter around i mean true, uh, technically. well <laughs> but like I, w- I would love to see avalanche on this team yeah. um yeah I'd love to see other 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 like randos from from Brotherhood like uh, Fantasia. Do you guys remember her? The she came out in like the '90s version of the Brotherhood that was led by by Toad. Um, and she has a very ill-defined power set. She's very weird, but she's got like a flowing cloak and a cool mask. And yeah, I'd like to see you know she she's just in that like obscure enough you know um, kind of a bad guy that 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 I think could come back and be rehabbed easily i have my pick and y'all already know my pick because i said in the chat before but i have a whole st- like i'm not even a writer but like i have a, a whole story out for it because she's in daredevil right now but she could come to the hillians and it's typhoid mary and yes i not i know thyroid mary not thyroid mary <laughs> not thyroid mary her not evil thyroid. cousin her evil cousin thyroid mary uh, it's- <laughs> i'm sorry 
<laughs> I hate typos. I I am the king. I am the king of typos. Um, okay, but yeah. that was a hilarious typo. That, oh, that was, was like that, that wasn't even a typo. That was that was autocorrect. Oh yeah, sabotage. Yeah, that was autocorrect sabotage. They're like, you mean thyroid, right? I was like, nope, I've never typed that. Don't mean that. <laughs> I've I've typed typhoid mary so many times you think my phone would recognize it but i'm a big advocate for typhoid mary i think she's a very interesting character ever since she appeared in daredevil um mm-hmm. and she's in daredevil again now helping um mayor william fisk um try to you know get stuff done and blah blah, blah. but i think what they could do is have the hellions go get her because you know they're the cleanup squad Hold and, on, Kingpin is still the mayor. Kingpin is still the mayor. Yeah. Shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He. He's. You know. He's had some ups and downs, but he's keeping that spot. He's. You know. He's killed a few people, but you know. He's. He's keeping it hush hush. Um. He's got his ass beat too. This is a lot of stuff happening. Read Daredevil, yeah. y'all. Read. Read it. It's good. By Chip Zdarsky. Go read it. So anyway. Um. So. Oh yeah. He, no. I. He's good I, at I, it. I, I, and I think the Hellions could go get her because, you know, she's causing a problem. She's a mutant. They're in charge of the mutants. And they could be like, oh, we're ready to fight. And she's like, you know what? I don't want to fight. I'll just go with y'all. I'm bored of here. I'll just go with y'all. I'll just have fun with y'all now because she likes causing crazy shit happening. And I think mm-hmm. if she saw them, she'd be like, ooh, this is interesting because she's also telepathic. She's pyrotechnic. She has telekinesis. Like she's a trained fighter. Like, and she's so fun and batshit crazy. So she would be, she would be perfect on this team. I love that idea. And then she'd be, I, she'd be good to go against empath because she's a, also yeah. a telepath. So like, I'd she, like to see her. him try and dick with her because she would run circles in his head. Yeah, well, and like, crazy. But speaking of telepathy, like that's something that I am eager to see them talk about a little bit is Psylocke's power set. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen her now, like she definitely has the knife. I think she also has the katana. Back in that, in the Fallen Angels thing, oh God, again, Raven, this is something you missed. But <laughs> like at one point, at one point she manifests, you know how she does like the, the butterfly imprint yeah. on her, you know, when she's using her power? Mm-hmm. Well, she goes like full butterfly wings like on her back mm-hmm. like she like takes flight or takes like a, a big leap with that those was pretty. wings that was really pretty. oh my god it was horrible it was so stupid i, I, I hated it, it so I much it. that was so pretty my my little Psylocke. Like, I mean, for at least it was just like a moment. It's not like, oh, cool. Now this bitch has wings. Like, I'm glad it's not. But it was just that was like, pretty. Oh, that it was just hated. I hated it. It was pretty. I hate. I hated that moment. But no, I hate. I love Psylocke. I love the Psylocke. I just want to see what's up with her powers and mm-hmm. you know it's impossible to talk about her without bringing up Betsy and Captain Britain and Absolutely. there's such a vague like they haven't made it really clear who got what power wise mm-hmm. and it's it just feels to me like neither one of them have telepathy at this point like I've seen Psylocke kind of use it like as a walkie talkie but that's mm-hmm. it like she's same for and Betsy that, and that's different like happy. this like yeah exactly exactly and like this was a a telepath on a level that was able to like trap shadow king and 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 engage him in her mm-hmm. mind like yeah. she was powerful as fuck and and that's just gone now like now she has the knife and and that's about it yeah, but like i think her... that needs to like that somebody needs to dig into that a little bit more yeah they made her far more of a a combat hand-to-hand you know close quarter character and 
I have been kind of wondering, like, why isn't she using more of her mental abilities? Because, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was like well, her thing for the longest time. Te- technically, I think I know I know Kwana hasn't, but Betsy de- definitely has because when Jamie was first reborn, she made him stop doing something with her mind. I can't remember what it was because you know Jamie's you know all crazy stuff, but um, yeah, but made- it's also her brother. Yeah, her- so yeah, telling your brother to stop doing something i mean siblings tend to have a bit more sway so True. might not have been a huge leap even though he is a ridiculously powerful individual true we don't know how powerful they are still i don't think mm-hmm. i think betsy when she was betsy and kawana you know together i think they were close mm-hmm. to being omega level telepath but mm-hmm. now since they're split i it might have divided their power equally mm-hmm. which sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. And like I read or, or I listened to, a, you know, a recent interview. I know you listened to it too, Rod, with Tinny. And she kind of talks a little bit about that and a little bit about, um, you know, basically the, the breakup between Quanin and Betsy. And like, mm-hmm. you know, basically, and like when you break up with somebody and you're moving out and like how you take some of your shit and some stuff you might leave behind. And, you know, some 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 divorces are messy. And yeah. uh, she definitely <laughs> she definitely talks about that and about how this is kind of like a divorce and, and I think that's really cool like that hearing Tinny's thoughts on it is a nice context for what's going on right okay. because because like I think as listeners as 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 readers as as fans um you know the fans can get a little impatient sometimes like you want things to be resolved you want like the best for these characters you want them to be their their best selves and like that's not mm-hmm. the way it goes and that's not no. the way every issue is and like they're gonna have ups they're gonna have downs they're gonna have they're gonna break before they get better like yeah and that's and that's okay you know and i think uh i i, I was saying this in the green room like i really now have accepted bonin as psylocke as her own character as being mm-hmm. separate and apart from Betsy. yeah in yes. a way that i don't i didn't think was going to be possible for. like i've had i've had issues with that retcon since the first time it was it was retcon yeah you know yeah. and like like it's just been problematic so like when yeah. they got back into their own bodies i was like okay yeah I mean, I guess that's like that made sense from like the perspective of editorial, but like for the story, it just never really did it for me. Yeah. And and I'm so past all of that now. Now now I totally see them as separate people, mm-hmm. and and I think that's so exciting for both of them. Oh know? yeah, definitely. And, and, is. definitely and the way Tinny has taken Betsy back to this, you know, Betsy who always wanted to be Captain Britain, like that's in the text. <laughs> that is canon. That is that is like established stories from way back when. Yeah. Yeah. Take so it, it back feels to your English background, <laughs> right? So it, it feels very earned. It feels very authentic. Whereas yeah. with Quanin, there's all of this blank slate that Brian Hill did, you know, put some marks on, and and I don't think anybody really knew what to do with that. And it's cool to see Zub taking some of that, but also doing his own thing. Uh-huh. Uh, you can tell he's he's acknowledging, but he's not he's not constrained by it. Yeah, and he's and it seems like he's he's making something cool out of it. Hey everybody, Nico here again, and the truth is I've been a Wolverine stan for way too long. I don't know what it is about six claws and a bub that just gets me going, but when Wolverine appears in a book, I find myself buying it, and as Nathan points out in this next segment, 
Hoxpox had been a huge turning point for the mutants' appearances in the Marvel Universe, and Savage Avengers represented Wolverine's first major foray back into the world at large. Now, this next book, Savage Avengers, we weren't covering at the time, and we talked about it a little bit here and there with some minor coverage, but it was important to really take a look now that more mutants are entering Savage Avengers thanks to the hand of ex-scribe Jerry Dugan. We're going to see characters like Magic and Juggernaut later on in this series, and it seemed like a good place to pick up from the beginning. This next segment was an unbelievable amount of fun to record, and it maybe gets as mature reader listening base as the book is intended. For So, if you're a little bit squeamish, I maybe wouldn't listen to this one too deeply. But, we had such a blast covering Savage Avengers, and we're going to be covering the trades of Savage Avengers going forward. In this next section, I'm joined by Jonah, Nathan, and Raven, as we dig into some of the most fun material we've covered on this show in a really long time. So, we hope you guys enjoy this slight detour into the world of Savage Avengers, but remember, sooner or later, this is going to become just as many X-Men as Avengers, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Too. Hey everybody, and welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm Nico Action, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Hello, I'm Raven, your queer art ho auntie. So go ahead and find me at Dame Red Bento. Just type it in. I'm all over the net. Hey, I'm Nathan, your neighborhood's friendly Dazzler Stan. You can find me online at <laughs> Dazzler AOA and Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Jonah, friend of the Dazzler stands. You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah, and we hope you survive this experience. Unlike basically majority of people who appeared oh, on a page, yeah. <laughs> if you appeared on a page, you had about a ninety percent chance of dying. <laughs> yeah, this was like a murder fest. So oh to explain this little murder fest, we're going to be taking a look at Savage Avengers, like zero-ish through number five, which compromise which compromises. Good job, Nico. Yeah, it does. <laughs> the si- right, it's kind of, everything's compromised. It comprises <laughs> the City of Sickles story. Now, for those of you who might be saying to yourself, Self, why in God's name is an X-Men show covering an Avengers book? Well, let me tell you. Like most books at Marvel, Knucklehead appears. Right? Not only is My Precious Logan one of the main characters, but it's written by X-Men mainstay Jerry Dugan, who does a beautiful job over in the pages of Marauders, which was definitely a pull for me to cover this. But for those of you who have been longtime listeners, you have heard me say, oh, the best arc of all time is Riot at Xavier's, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I get real, you know, real pissy <laughs> about it. But if I got to go back a little bit further, I'm going to go back to Uncanny X-Men in the 190s, and I'm going to talk about the Kulan Gath story. Uh-huh. Now... For those of you who are unfamiliar, Kulan Gath was a villain of Conan's, and at the time, Marvel owned the Conan license. And Chris Claremont, in that, you know, Claremontian way, negotiated permission to use Kulan Gath to create the master spell of New York. And this story is one of my all-time favorites. It is a beloved narrative for so many fans. And ultimately, it did receive a reprinting in the form of, like, properly known as Savage Avengers zero earlier this year so whether it's the logan connection Kulan gath or the fact that later volumes include characters like magic iliana rasputin as well as juggernaut this is sort of a book that even though it's not an x-men book kind of is an x-men book mm-hmm. and i want to start things off by asking you know raven when i said to you let's talk about savage avengers 
what were your first thoughts going into this? Oh, sweet God. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like they took every strong liquor in the cabinet and just made a daiquiri with it. It's like, oh, <laughs> sweet God, what's going on here? <laughs> Ow, why? But let's do this. Because, okay, I grew up with Conan and I love X-Men. I am a huge Wolverine stan. And just to see them be able to grab characters from a bunch of different... Uh, you know, different places in the Marvel universe and put them together on a team. And the team actually did really make sense because it's, it's not a team about, Oh, light and sparkles and let's save people. It's the, yeah, we need everybody who likes to kill everything, but we want them on one book. It's like, okay, let's do this noise. So yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, let's kill some kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Nathan, you know, you are, you're such a good natured guy about everything in general, right? So when I'm like, Nathan, I want to do a thing, you're usually like, okay, right? So I know that when I come to you with one of these bizarre plans, you're usually down for the struggle. But what <laughs> I really want to know is, had you read Savage Avengers before I asked you to come into it? And did reading it with the team change your opinion before we even get into the story? I had. I was really excited to see because this was the first time Wolverine was appearing outside of uh, X-Men outside of Hoxpox, right? So like this is like the first X-Men thing outside of that self-contained Hoxpox thing. So I had read it. And and I'll be honest, I rage quit on the first issue. But... But I came back to it when uh, they started adding like Juggernaut and Ileana and all those guys to it. And I reread the arc and it was, it was yeah, it was there. <laughs> you know, that's that's such a resounding, that's a resounding review. This book exists. Critics agree. Savage Avengers was printed. Critics agree. There were words on the pages. And somebody wrote this. Critics Critically also- reviewed. So, <laughs> Clinically reviewed a limited series. <laughs> well, Jonah, now that you've spoken up, you know, you've read this with me twice, right? I was so excited to have you because, you know, Jonah, uh, Jonah, as we've said, has kind of come into the fandom a little bit later. So a lot of Jonah's first experience with some of these characters was in the Marvel Contest of Champions game, which, you know, that's actually a great way to meet a lot of characters. So mm-hmm. I know you already loved Jericho from that. And you'd had a chance to meet Electra via me, like sobbing hysterically telling you about her. So you mean sobbing hysterically with your multiple figurines of her going, look at her. <laughs> She's perfect. She Aww. is. So, I mean, it's not. It's not okay. It's she's perfect. Okay. So, <sighs> it's a great time to be an Electra Stan if you read Daredevil twenty five. So, my question for you then, Jonah, right? How did you feel about this idea of the Avengers being, you know, Venom, who's like a spider character, kind of Doctor Voodoo, who represents this kind of outside of the normal mystical realm of Marvel. You know, so many Marvelites think that the Marvel mystical realm kind of begins and ends at Doctor Strange, but mm-hmm. no, there's this brilliant, amazing other Doctor that you got to give credit to. How did you feel about this sort of like disparate convocation of, in, in many ways, a number of second stringers? It was a really, it, I think this maybe reads better on maybe the fourth or fifth time you read this. And like maybe about three glasses of wine deep. And I say that with as much affection as I can because it's a really interesting take on 
these characters outside of Wolverine who I wouldn't say are A-listers. These mm-hmm. aren't, they're, like, they're pretty up there, and I think they're maybe uh, like B or C tier when it comes to the popularity of Marvel characters. But mm-hmm. Wolverine is a very, you know, you just throw Wolverine in anything and people are going to buy it. It's fine. It's Wolverine. But having these characters in this very gritty, gruesome book, it's really interesting that instead of besmudging the names of characters like Ca- uh, Captain America, who have this very specific image to them, and instead use these you know, second stringers, it's really interesting that they chose these characters for their much more adult, gritty book. Well, they needed uh, anti-heroes. Yeah. If you were to put, you know, pure heroes in there, especially Boy Scouts, uh, you you wouldn't have that grittiness to it. You needed characters that were straight up anti-heroes, almost, mm, you know, almost to that bad guy level because they're going to do things that are exceedingly ethically and morally questionable, <laughs> to say the very least. And also you didn't want somebody who's going to be strategically looking for the, the the nicest way to try and stop the bad guys. This this is not a book that you think through. This is a book that you're like, shit's going to die and it's going to die horribly. And that's your catharsis. You don't have to worry about the moral or ethical uh, standings of it, really. And, you know, that's actually kind of what I loved about this book. You know, like, I think we all discovered some amount of our own sexuality by finding fanfic on the internet right? <laughs> yeah find those stories <laughs> i had like, no oh. idea what you're talking about oh no absolutely oh, no, I, I, no never I, I, <laughs> never discovered nifty.org so <laughs> um you know we all find those plot what plot kind of stories <laughs> right and it's sort of like there's no plot there's just fuck but mm-hmm. book, there's no plot there's just blood the plot mm-hmm. of this book is a nazi landed in the Sabbath <laughs> like 80 years ago and cool on Gath was like, you're my priest now. Go make me a big blood bucket. And this dude just starts gathering blood in a bucket, right? Worst and soup ever. Worst oh, soup! Yuck. This oh. is not gumbo. Oh. And so the plot winds up being that in order to summon a big bad dark star god, who is off on a distant planet, basically, they need the blood of people who have done some real bad killings, right? Mm-hmm. And they wind up trying to get Logan, and they wind up trying to get Dr. Voodoo and Frank Castle, and they do it all in different ways. They trap the spirit of Dr. Voodoo's brother. They exhume Frank Castle's oh. family's bodies, which is like, Dude. I know it's not supposed to be funny, but it's funny. <laughs> they go after Logan's opera singer friend, which, um, uh, oh, oh. Yeah, that okay. confused me so yeah. freaking much. Okay. Um, yeah kill him i guess and it's just one of those situations where i don't necessarily i don't necessarily know that i accept the premise so much as i allow the premise when there's that symbiote in a jar i'm like oh my god right they fit an entire eddie brock in a jar oh it's a different symbiote i was so confused 
Well, right? I knew that it was a different symbiote, but a thousand-year-old symbiote? Like, wait, uh, what the fuck? And why and, was it on Savage? Why was it in Savage Land? Like, what? Well, I mean, I think if we've learned anything from Chris Claremont, it's you can put <laughs> any goddamn motherfucker you would like in the Savage Land, and it's a good day, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, in some ways, I'm kind of like, why are the hand even involved in this? Oh, it's human. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that brings in Electra. Okay. And I think the heart of this book is not a book with plot, but rather a book that exists purely on emotion. Mm-hmm. And for that, we have to finally bring up the main character of this book. <laughs> There's so, a main character? <laughs> um, other than blood, yes. So mm. so uh, Jason Aaron is one of my favorite writers in the world. And I love what he does, and I love how he does it. You know, his Avengers has been a little bit hit or miss because I think they're trying to put a little too much into it every week. But Jason Aaron writes passion. He writes experience. And one of the things he said was, God damn it, give me Conan. (laughs) And so Conan joined the Marvel Universe, I guess. And (laughs) that's just what we do now. And we just bring in IPs, like like a fucking theme park. And my brain had so much trouble wrapping itself around that. It was the hard part for me, too. And, you know, they play off the humor really well. Jerry Dugan is a master of balancing humor and severity in a really Mm -hmm. beautiful way. Uh, But, you know, Jonah, I believe you said that you have some experience with Conan, you know, and like, I don't know about anybody else, but like, I grew up with the 90s animated Conan the Adventurer. Mm -hmm. And and then like, and, you know, Phoenix so bad growing up. What's her name? (laughs) Shurikens. And like, oh, God. Yeah. That show was badass, right? And like, gave me way too many sexual feelings. And like, so when I think Conan, I think WPIX 630 in the morning. But (laughs) Jonah, you have a very different experience with Conan, I believe you have. And not O'Brien, but I believe you have a very (laughs) different experience with Conan. We're in the Savage Lands. (laughs) Andy Richter just comes dawdling in. Hey, guys! (laughs) (laughs) Jonah, would you tell us a little bit more of what you know of the great king of Shimeria? Um, so I and my friends, uh, were trying to find basically an MMO for us to play because there's a good number of us. And when you're playing an MMO, <laughs> when you have a good number of people, stuff gets a lot easier and actually becomes a lot more fun when you have friends to play with. So we settled upon Conan Exiles, which oh, takes God. place in the realm of Samaria and Conan and Conan is in it. And I've met Conan and he has great abs and luscious hair. So I have been exposed to this lore and this history of raising. Yeah. uh, Conan. (laughs) And um, it's really interesting to see them go into detail about Krom. So there, when you're playing the game, you're making your character. There are a bunch of different gods that you can worship. Um, but one of the, and one of them is Krom, and Krom noticeably notably does not give you any benefits. You don't get anything to work with, and it's much more of a role playing thing, because mm-hmm. it's as the book goes into detail. Krom is this very not I want to even say malicious, but he's this god who he gives you. He's like you're going to have a plan. I'm going to give you the strength to survive, and if you don't, that's on you. Don't ask me for anything. I'm not giving you nothing. Literally nothing. Just disappears forever. 
Ooh. And he just sits severely on his mountain. Apathetic. Severely. He does not get involved with anything. Um, there has only been one time when Conan was ever saved by Krom, which is when Krom felt he was being dishonorably, he would have been dishonorably killed and not an actual warrior's death, to which Conan was an embarrassed and then had to make a sacrifice to Krom, but did it in secret because they didn't want people to think he was, you know, into faith and everything. You know, you call your god a bastard enough times. Most people think eh, you probably don't like him. Well, hey, bastard god, I don't like you. Funny <laughs> enough, you don't really invoke the name of Crom because, as Conan said, you don't really want him noticing. So, a lot more times, it's used as a curse word. Mm-hmm. Ah, that makes sense. Oh my god. <laughs> I think the only time I, I had is- no idea. Yeah, the only time Conan has really thanked a deity, and it wasn't necessarily deity per se, he thanked Valeria for saving his ass uh, in the first Conan the Barbarian movie because he was about to get cut down by James Earl Jones' character, and Valeria shows up almost like a Valkyrie and blinds him for a split second and saves Conan's ass. And he basically, he thanks her. But Krom can pretty much go fuck himself, and he said that a million times. <laughs> oh my god, you had me so confused when you said Valeria. I was like he was in the fantastic four what okay oh god no it's a really different kind of hyborian age (laughs) (laughs) so i think we've got some really interesting background on some of these characters now and Mm -hmm. we have a sense of why they're doing what they're doing you know conan's in it for the killing cool on gath of it all Mm -hmm. right now cool on gath is such a great fucking villain because like i hate joker-esque villains where they're like i'm just crazy you can't stop me because i'm crazy like that's not my shit cool on gath is like no no you misunderstand i piss on you you're an ant no 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 you're garbage like cool on gath is just so not having it right he's my kind of crazy and you know conan's kind of my kind of crazy too he's all like i'll cut you and they find reasons for logan to be in it they kill an opera singer for it like i as an as an operettist as a guy who writes opera i find look it's really hard to find a tenor with the range i need so if you could please stop slicing them apart it doesn't work Right now, Electra's in it because Electra's like, no, 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 the hand, right? It's right. a sequel to No, No, Nanette. And Frank Castle's family just got Burger Kinged into the blood bucket. And like we said, they've got Jericho's Have brother. Have it your way. <laughs> so then that leads us with just Venom, who I guess is only in it because he's really mad about his older brother being kept in a jar. <laughs> And well, I mean, he, could, he could hear the symbiote. It wasn't that he wanted to show up or he had any sort of uh, empathy. But like when you have a raving mad symbiote who can finally express the fact that they've been trapped for a thousand years, it's kind of hard to ignore something like that just losing its shit. And we've seen what happens when, when things like Carnage was just allowed to have their way. Do you hear what I hear? <laughs> the sound of a symbiote. <laughs> Who is I don't want to know how far you're uh, That's as far as I'm going to get because I actually don't know the lyrics. <laughs> so oh my god! Merry Christmas, everybody. Symbiotes wow. for everyone. And it's King in Black, so perfect! Yay! So, I think why I most loved this book is because... I'm fascinated by the interactions between these characters on a level I can hardly express, 
Electra <laughs> and the Punisher have hung out together in the pages of Marvel Knights when that was a title. They uh, were together in Daniel Way and Charles Sue's Thunderbolts when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And they've also met up in Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's Punisher 37, which is just such a perfect masterclass in single issue storytelling. So like there's stories that bring those two together. Obviously, uh, if there's death, Punisher and Wolverine are on the cover and there's a lot of connections here. For me, I genuinely loved Conan learning the Marvel Universe by way of Logan's friend. Oh, my God. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> There's something about bypapsed that <laughs> ever ring in the halls of my heart. And I guess I want to know from you guys, what connection really took you by either surprise or you were just happy to see it? What dynamic relationship in the course of this giant blood bucket did it for you? For me personally, it was Jericho and Wolverine. Wolverine doesn't have many people that he's actually nice to. Well, that's actually not true. I think Wolverine is actually nice to a lot of people, even though he doesn't want you to know that. So it's one of those things to see Wolverine interact with a character that I would never really expect. I would expect him to have interactions with Elektra because they both reside in New York. Uh, Venom also. Conan was there, so I'm not counting that. Uh, Frank's also in New York. There's a lot of lot of you know people based in New York, so I imagine they have run-ins with one or another. But I don't actually, really know. just so you know, Elektra helped Wolverine rebuild his psych when it was completely destroyed, a la Wolverine 100. She oh, and yeah. Stick worked with him to rebuild his mind, so he'll always mm-hmm. feel like he owes her a debt for life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good old patches. Yeah. So it was really nice to see Wolverine interact with a character that I don't even know that much about, but it was this very, it wasn't a lot of dialogue, but it was enough interactions for me where I was fascinated and want to know more about uh, Jericho and Wolverine's, you know, past and how they became friends Mm -hmm. and why Wolverine was so very readily and very easily able to save him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, dude, let me just fill your heart with some of my own blood. Like, he literally was like, I'm going to bring your heart back, my hands. And well, I'm like, damn. Yeah, he was like, well, he, oh, I don't think he you knew right that blood it might fight. not work, though. Yeah. But I'm glad it did because, man, I right. love Jericho. Oh my God, he's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and like he even said it himself. He's like, I don't think I'm a blood match to you, but yeah. hopefully my blood can give you just enough time and kickstart your system just enough that you can make it back. And he tried his damnedest until he had to like stand up and fight. And you can like slowly see that that slice across the neck seal itself. So it's like, yeah, I gave him just enough time to survive. So thank goodness for that. Now, how about you, Raven, for your sake? I know, you know, you had taken a break from comics. You came back mm-hmm. in and you're like kicking ass and you're, you know, comic warrior woman. How did you <laughs> feel about some of these uh, dynamic interactions? I actually really enjoyed the interaction between Frank Castle and Conan. Mm. Okay. And I yeah. know that came a little bit later on in the books and everything, but their interaction was really interesting to see because they're both very much warriors, very much, you know, you know, very gut emotion. They go in full tilt. And yet um, when Kulan Gath uh, sort of <laughs> gives Frank a little, hey, did you hide behind your family kind of thing? Kills me. Kills me every it, time. It, it shook him. And he he ends up kind of leaning on another warrior and trying to figure out kind of like, did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? Am I, am I fucking up here? Like, he actually did try and bond 
in a very, very, very macho kind of way with Conan, which I found actually really uh, interesting because they both respect each other as being very uh, brutish warriors. So they don't have to really talk their feelings out per se, but they did interact on a level that they both understood. And I could get behind that. Yeah, they're both so yeah. they're both soldiers after a fashion. And mm-hmm. like, I really follow where you're going with that. Now, Nathan, you had described this book as there. And so <laughs> I'm wondering, in the course of this book's um, existentialist, <laughs> in the course of this book's just being, verb R, uh, <laughs> what relationship really came off the page for you? Uh, a few, Electra and Punisher, like that interaction mm. where she's like, why did you walk into this trap, you stupid fool? And he's like, they have my family. And she's like, oh. And she's, like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I get you. Okay. But like, what's up? Two things, two relationships really surprised me. Like one, Conan and uh, Wolverine, like mm. Conan, Logan teaching Conan the word bub. Like... <laughs> I was like, oh my God, because he's like, I'm Conan of Shimura, Bob. I'm like, <laughs> do it for Pabst! <laughs> yes. And the real surprise was the weird, was the ancient Venom cinema symbiote. What? I can't even say it right. Symbiote? Ancient Venom symbiote. Thank you. <laughs> Cinnamon bun. <laughs> Cinnamon buns. <laughs> Um, like how he was just so like drawn in, like helping Tech Conan and mm-hmm. like saved his life basically. Like he should have died like five times over. Uh, but... that was Crom's mm-hmm. will. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm glad you brought that up, Nathan, because like I was fucking shit shocked when the symbiote was like, "I'm gonna fill this hole in your chest, and I'm gonna be your new psychic sword." Like, that moment, like, I know it's probably a little bit more the enemy of, like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but that was a really interesting moment. I know that symbiotes are opportunists, and they want Mm -hmm. to be drawn to the thing that draws blood, but, like, Mm -hmm. that was a really interesting application of it in a way I hadn't considered. Absolutely. Mm. And maybe it was because he freed him. I don't know. But like, maybe it was some kind of like cosmic payback. But I also loved that this book didn't shy away from magic. You know, Mm -hmm. when you think Wolverine, you think Snick, Snicked, Bub, Bub. You think, (laughs) you know, Punisher, you think, you know, Bang, Bang, Cry in a Corner. And (laughs) like, when you think Venom, you think, you know, Space Putty. But like, sure, Elektra has magic. Elektra has been resurrected, can resurrect. Elektra has, you know, the magical ability to purify a spirit. I'm not going to cry talking about it, but it's good. And... You know, of course, Dr. Voodoo is the fucking bomb shit. But when you think about, you know, some of these other characters, I don't think that Frank Castle naturally fits in a magical story. But the fact that they made Frank's bond to this magical story, the number of bodies he's racked up. Like, the Punisher is an avatar of death in a mystical way. In a way that evidently empowers the blood bucket. I really huh. can't stop saying blood bucket, you guys. But the worst I type of bucket. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst kind of bucket. I mean, I, all I can think is a Mr. Bucket, but like the movie version, like they fed it after midnight. Oh no. Buckets of blood of Mr. Bucket. <laughs> Buckets of blood. So, um, you know. Why did my brain go to I'm just a bail? Oh my God. Hell. 
<laughs> well, a bucket full of blood on capital bucket blood. I can't even talk. <laughs> so, how did you guys feel about seeing like kind of non-mystical characters in a mystical setting? Like, really, I'm a Punisher fan, and like I don't talk about it because he's a problematic fave, right? Mm-hmm. I I kind of hate myself for loving Punisher, but I don't love Punisher. I problematically love Garth Ennis and love Garth Ennis as Punisher. So it's a different kind of I'm a bad guy, right? But (laughs) I specifically thought that this Punisher so seamlessly joined this narrative. I mean, for me, the odd man out was Venom, right? Hmm, There were kind of two of him and he showed up at the end. How did you guys feel, though, about seeing this juxtaposition of magic, you know, a very visceral Wolverine, a very, you know, I'm murder happy kind of Wolverine, not like a very, oh, I'm in Japan sipping tea. Tell me about magic. You know what I mean? Like it it was a very, I don't know. I thought the magic worked really well. And that was the thing I expected to roll my eyes at the hardest. What did you guys think? Kulangath, you have to like, you have to like expect a full magic story. It wasn't mm-hmm. quite the magic story I was expecting. I was like, ooh, are they gonna all turn into like the weird, like ancient, like New York kind of thing? But you know, that's just me. But <laughs> yeah, you were looking for the Kulangath master spell. Yeah, hello. Uh, but yeah. what? So, Frankencastle, like, was wasn't that magic, or was that like some kind of weird science tech thing? Um, that. So, I'm about to make somebody scream at the top of their lungs. <laughs> God, so that might have involved a specific bloodstone. Oh. Looking over at you, Jojo. Did he? Ha- did 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 he borrow it? Basically, the Legion of Monsters stitched him back together and gave him a magical amulet that kept him alive as Frankencastle. <laughs> oh, and I believe he got burn it, burn it with fire. <laughs> kind of cool and like was. But stupid, but like he got cut, like Dokken chopped him to pieces and then dumped him in a sewer. And the Legion <laughs> of Monsters. Can can I ask a question? That's like. <laughs> Kind of tangentially related to this. Yeah, of course. How big is the, you know, sewer slash underground structural work of New York? Because there happens to be a lot of things that tend to reside (laughs) under there. Between the Legion of Monsters and the Morlocks, how did they have room? Oh, and don't Hmm. forget the kingpin of the sewers. There is an identical version of the kingpin that is a giant mutant version of him that lives underground in the sewers and is surrounded by his hideous mole people. Oh, and Wait, the mole what? 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 The kingpin of the sewers. This is like... Oh my God. I'm pretty sure they just take burrows. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just kind of like, kingpin of the sewers has Hell's Kitchen. Like, actually... Yeah. Yeah. So, which, so which one has Staten Island? <laughs> That would be the Legion of Monsters. I think we can all agree the thing living under Satin Island has to be the Legion of Monsters. So wait, are the Morlocks in like where are the Morlocks in? They're under Soho. So oh. <laughs> ah. They're okay. off on their own, kind of doing their own thing. They pay a very different tax rate in their land. <laughs> I don't think they pay taxes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't hide from Uncle Sam. You gotta pay taxes. I'm pretty sure they faced illegal eviction. No. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Not in this economy. But you know, the start of Hox Pox was a different time. Yep. And it's sort of how much fun we're having talking about this book 
That's why I actually really like it. This is yeah. not a plot-heavy book. This is <laughs> meant to be a book about some cool heroes fighting a giant bucket of blood. And like, <laughs> say, the monster that they fight isn't given any great personality. It's a giant fucking monster beastie. Oh my god. And that's all. And meant- like Venom just like popped up. He's like, oh, I'm gonna save the day. Oh, there's my symbiote brother. Oh. And I love that everybody's like, what the hell just happened to Venom? Like everybody <laughs> was like, I don't know what's going on, but this was not in the pitch book, right? Oh right. This giant nope horse. <laughs> right. Because at first I thought it was just like you know a, a giant humanoid you know marrow god. And then no, it's it's a freaking like a nope horse. It's like a centaur, but worse. Like what the hell? <laughs> and I kind of like, and I'm I'm not a I'm not a bad guys should win the day kind of. I mean, I kind of I, I guess I am. I guess I'm kind of a bad guys can win the day as long as hope ultimately triumphs. The reason Empire is so good is because Jedi fixes it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I I need I don't believe in hope. Okay, I don't believe in darkness without hope. Right. Like mm-hmm. I can't read sadness forever. It's why I had to tune out a Game of Thrones at a certain point that light at the end of the tunnel that was the good guys will win became a pinprick that, mm-hmm. you know, I can't lose the light completely. There has mm-hmm. to be a point zero 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 one percent of the light still there. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, the good guys won out of nowhere. OK, whatever. Right. And yep. I, I kind of love well, the they... good guys still kind of won out of nowhere on this one. But they still kind of lost. Cool on Gaff yeah. was like, I've been toying with you. This has been fun. But you guys never stood a chance. <laughs> and he just kind of like floats away. And Electra's like, shh, I put trackers on everyone because I'm naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that ending because this isn't a team. This is a convocation of killers out to kill the killeriest killer, Kulan Gath, who's trying to kill everyone with his blood bucket. And, oh, I did enjoy that the Nazi lost. That was, I mean, anytime a Nazi gets hurt, I'm really excited about it, right? But this was really, I don't know, this was five and a half issues of fun for me. It was. Now, how did you guys feel about the, the way it all kind of came together basically Kulan Gath was like oh good they stayed distracted I did enough stuff I had to do catch y'all on the flip how did you guys feel about the payout I rolled my eyes so fucking hard at that I'm like what kind of Rita repulsive bullshit is this after 10,000 years I am free yeah Woo. Oh my when they God. when they all walked like when they all like were going in the magic pentagram and like yeah. Punisher and like uh, Conan were walking away, I was like, "Why does this feel like the eve of destruction?" When like Dazzler was like, "Oh hey, Mojo World, who cares?" Bye. You know, right. it, was- <laughs> <laughs> it was very. We'll catch you guys in the next trade. <laughs> and all I can think is, wait, 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 wait. You desperately need to stick together in order to. Like, make sure that Kulan Gath doesn't actually go through this plan. But no, no, you're just gonna let the Barbarian and Frank Castle walk out of Antarctica throwing <laughs> three coffins? The <sighs> fuck? No! <laughs> you have magic. You either sedate his ass or you just go, hey, what's that over there? Cast spell and do the thing. <laughs> hey, look, look over there! There's a squirrel! There's a squirrel! Oh! Also, how would they even get back anyway? I'm oh my very God. confused. <laughs> okay. Antarctica's isolated all the way up there. No, down there. 
That's one of my favorite jokes ever. There was this series of videos that was out a number of years ago, like 10 years ago, kind of parodying some of the tropes in X-Men at the time. And at mm-hmm. one point, Cyclops is assigning teams. And Cyclops is like, all right, so my team will consist of me, Emma, Beast, Kitty Pride, and Colossus, who is recently back from the dead. Then there will be a second team led by Storm, featuring Bishop, Psylocke, also recently back from the dead. Jubilee will be on the team, but not say or do a damn thing. And like, <laughs> he introduces all the teams and he's like, and Wolverine will be on both of those. And later on, he's like, ah, and there will be a third team in Europe, also featuring Wolverine. And later on in the video, Wolverine shows up really out of breath. And everyone's like, where were you? And he's like, I just had to walk on over here from Europe. I was on an adventure with the other team. Like, that's kind of how I feel about this. They're like, oh, they're just going to walk to Europe. It's no big deal. And I'm like, what kind of fantastic shit is this? (laughs) <laughs> like how many boats go to Antarctica anyway? Like I like what? Like ugh. yeah, they're just gonna sail home on Frank's sadness. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. You mean you mean sail home on his family's coffins? Oh, oh. lash them together just... like a raft. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! If I can, everyone in this book is fuckable. Like oh yeah factor in this book like i hate long hair on men i'm over it for this one uh dr voodoo is famously too hot to look at holy shit mm-hmm. yeah Logan is always you know just two thousand <laughs> percent and like you know i'm pansexual i definitely do have a thing for ladies and it's it's been said on more than one occasion that i have i think that electra might be the most perfect woman of all like i get nervous talking about it she's so perfect but i think Aww. electra woman of all time so like just the fact that she's in oh and you know i guess i could be attracted to a symbiote i guess as long as it bottoms so like it's uh no if if the i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the symbiotes are the tops in those relationships (laughs) um well then maybe Uh, me and the symbiote can take turns on eddie i don't know what to tell you but like it's gooey in every hole It wow. is. <laughs> ah, yes. So, never mind. No, welcome. <laughs> I was about to use some really gross onomatopoeia, and I decided let's let's not let the. I was gonna say, oh, uh, slushing gush. <laughs> so I think I think Conan is the only one that is not fuckable for me because he is just too damn dumb. And God uh. knows what STD he might be carrying from the past <laughs> years ago. Also, Ugh. nobody ever talks about how in medieval times and like more barbar- barbaric ages like that, that they didn't bathe. Oh, yeah. Uh. He probably uh. smells really bad. Uh. I don't need thousand year old nutsack trying to drag itself across my face. No, thank you. <laughs> now, just no. Okay. We have talked about the lack of plot, which worked <laughs> for us. Yeah. We've talked about the odd character associations, which worked for us. We've talked about the blood bucket maybe a little too much. It worked for me. But it did, yeah. We have several more volumes of this series to go. We have a second volume with Doom. We have a special volume that tied into the events of Empire, the large summer crossover that kind of worked for some people, kind of didn't. Then there's an additional volume, which sees the the introduction of several more X characters. Now, whether you've read ahead or not, totally mm-hmm. cool. What are you guys hoping to get from this book as we continue to cover these trades and get a bead on what's going on with the X-Men outside of the X-Books? What are you guys hoping to gain from <laughs> Savage Avengers? <laughs> Uh, I want the master spell. I need the master spell. I need it. I need, I need it. Part it. Two. Uh, 
Also, where was Kazar during all this? <laughs> you know, he was just out grooming the boo. <laughs> and like, I can only hope giving Shanna like a really good like. I think Kazar is one of those characters who's like, I am much masculine, but also <laughs> I give Shanna pedicures like that. <laughs> oh, I thought you were really gonna say Shanna pegs me. <laughs> oh, I really Whoa. thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah. The jungle, they do whatever makes them happy. Like, yeah. save her, oof, tiger. <laughs> Right? Uh, what? Colossus <laughs> had babies first threesome there, so I'm pretty I know. sure like anything goes. Oh my and, god, that's right. Colossus' son is there. Oh. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh so, god. You know, I, Jonah, what are you hoping to get from this book? Because like you're the you're the kind of the guy who has the least invested in this book. <laughs> it's making you read it. That's right. I have nothing to lose from this book. <laughs> I <laughs> I wow. I was thinking about this, and I was actually talking about this with other co-hosts, Kyle, and this book is very much, not even in any sort of punny way, a hack-and-slash kind of video game. It's the Dynasty Warriors-esque, where the entire appeal of it is just killing large mass mobs. And they're not to, I'm not dispersing anything of Dynasty Warriors, but a lot of those games don't tend to be light on plot because you're more there for the gameplay. As long as this series can keep me entertained, I'm fine. If it's just going to be the same of this over and over, the dialogue has to be like literally out of this world form of entertainment for me. Otherwise, I'm going to get bored. Those things will become really stale unless you have a way to freshen it up. And I think the only way to do that in this kind of book is with the dialogue. It's either got to be so funny I'm pissing my pants or got to be so dramatic and serious that I'm like pretending I'm cutting onions in my room alone. Well, I'm crying. <laughs> I know your queen is Ileana, so you must be looking forward to her joining the pages of the title. Oh, I'm ready for her to, like, basically curse and, like, actually kill things. Because especially in tennis stores where she wasn't allowed to kill anybody, I'm really, really excited to see her actually shed some blood. You want to see her get her blood bucket on? I I can't wait to see Juggernaut be like, bitch, you, like, left me in limbo. Fuck. (laughs) You literally trapped me in a dungeon and hoped I died. Not my favorite thing you did. And she would have said, oops. (laughs) <laughs> are Boots you dead me. no Boo-hoo. but did you die <laughs> uh, then stop complaining about it i don't want to yes. hear it. i'll send you back <laughs> raven i know your goal in life is to avoid thousand year old stds going forward so what are you hoping to get from because like i mean when i think like badass super comic queen i think mm-hmm. you because like i know your stands are deadpool you love when the books get in it and get rough how do you what are you hoping to get from savage avengers going forward to be brutally honest jack shit nothing i wanted to continue on being like entertaining and a bloodbath and like i want to get some of the quips because when they bring in people like magic and juggernaut you have to have your quips you have to have yeah. that fun catchy dialogue that's what i'm expecting but to expect there to be a, a solid plot line that suddenly pops up you know 10 books in i'm like you, you don't watch a porn for a storyline that pops <laughs> up in the middle of the damn thing you're there for the action as it were 
So yeah, I'm like, I'm looking for the action. I'm looking for the quips. I'm hoping that they bring in a lot of people that we don't normally get to see in their, in, in other titles so that we get to have some fun with them. But I'm not expecting this to be a revolutionary arc. I expect this to be a fun, bloody, gruff, guts and gore kind of arc. So okay, I have to touch on something you said, Raven. So mm-hmm. um, there was a porn company a number of years ago and they made this video called The Coach and it was these three <laughs> One of them was a coach, obviously. And <laughs> that guy left the company, and so they wanted to do a coach too. And so they have these two guys interviewing for a new coach. Oh my God. <laughs> so the guy's like, why is the position open? And clearly, this is why you never let porn actors write their own dialogue. And the guy goes, um, the old coach died. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Go into oh, porn. Oh, for fuck's sake. I, I, and then only one of them comes back for the third video. Might I say, <laughs> had nothing to do with Coach One and Two, and I just I didn't get the climactic resolution I was looking for because the wrong guy came. <laughs> Wait, that I'm so confused. I thought that was the one where they were like, oh. <laughs> I thought that was the one where they were like, oh, the job's not really open, but like there was a different one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have so many comeback lines to everything that was just said. <laughs> All I know is I'm disappointed that that's none of not the only thing that's open. <laughs> um, just to piggyback off with something that Raven said uh, in some of my writing classes, my favorite English professor that I had um, told us about when we were writing comedy don't write porn and what he meant by that is we need you need details and i think there's also another way to take about it is nobody's there for the preamble everybody skips those first five minutes of porn i no one cares about that kind of plot the only time you don't skip it is the iconic video of really right in front of my salad oh my god yes oh my god yes (laughs) that's the only time at least in gay porn history that you don't skip the woman in the scene who gets cheated on oh my god that brings me to that snl sketch with emma stone where it's left ug boot jared jared i forgive you so, that would never hurt me. I think what I'm hoping to get from this book going forward, honestly, personally, I just want excuses for some of my favorite characters to get together and get real bloody. Yes. Electra, yeah. queen of my heart, Wolverine, is one of my favorite characters in fictional history. And mm-hmm. I love getting to see Dr. Voodoo, who gets sidelined yes. for older, more famous white characters. And like, Ugh. there's no other way to put it. He is a Hungan magician. He is mm-hmm. specifically steeped in his lore. And it is so disrespectful that Marvel can't seem to hire enough people who can either get a get a sensitivity reader or, God forbid, hire an actual black person to oh, write right. these characters. And, you know, I'm just goddamn thrilled that I got Frank and Logan and Electra, my famous electric nachos. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> when Kulangoth says that, I'm like, why does he know her whole name? That's creepy. But well, I mean, The Hand has resurrected her. She has been the chosen beast of the Hand. And if the Hand are working for him, I totally accept it. Yeah. Right? And, you know, guys, I'm actually just, as much as I'm looking forward to the return to these guys of the Bucket of Blood, I'm looking forward to doing more of these with you guys. This is just, <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. And oh. I had a great time just talking about kind of a dumb fun book and it's okay to like dumb fun it's okay to like big explosions it's okay it's just make sure you need that palate cleanser yeah just make sure you're 
reading something of substance sometimes and you're good. <laughs> yep. and we all know Jerry Dugan can deliver on substance. Just take a look at the incredibly emotional, powerful arc in Marauders if you need yep. any proof of that. Mm-hmm. And oh, I guess we should mention Mike Diodato Jr., who has come and gone from Marvel over the years. The man has never found a page he didn't want to kill a Sharpie on. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this guy can really fucking run down a black marker. I don't know how they can afford to print this book. (laughs) Ink costs a lot. But, of course, the art is always beautiful. He draws everybody like an underwear model and then has to, like, (laughs) add the clothes. So, Mm, yum. I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm I'm so glad that Voodoo is not like Wanda's sidekick anymore. Oh, my God, right? I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't. I mean, I wish they had played a bit more with uh, Dr. Voodoo's character, but I'm kind of glad they didn't go overboard because for as much as they don't tend to touch on uh, characters of color, especially black characters, what's worse is when they try and shoehorn their entirety of their personality and everything they do into one book because they inevitably like go way too far and you're just going... Oh, damn, dude, you could have, no, just no, 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 you didn't need to bring out voodoo dolls because they don't act, just no, oh my god, what are they doing? Okay, somebody needs to get them a sensitivity reader, so I'm I'm glad they didn't overdo that, but I wish they would play a little bit more. It's really beautiful when books allow characters to be unapologetically black, but it's really problematic when it's a white person deciding what unapologetic black (laughs) is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's apologetic whiteness, and we really need need that to go away mm-hmm. yeah jojo did you have any closing thoughts on uh savage avengers i like blood well ladies and gentlemen this has been savage bucket of blood number one <laughs> city of blood buckets thereof and guys we cannot wait to return to you guys with more Savage Avengers in the form of Doctor Doom. Hey everybody, Nico here one last time, and we've really gotten a lot of incredible reactions from you guys on Twitter, and one of the things that everybody says is the cast is what brings them in, and I am so proud of this cast. I couldn't be more grateful to have assembled a more perfect team to take a look at the X narrative. And one of the big things we get asked is what else are you reading outside of the X-Men? So here for you guys are myself, Josh, Evelyn, Jonah, Nathan, Kyle, Maddie, and Robbie, with a little bit of what we're reading, some new, some old, and you know, it kind of turns out a lot of DC special events. So guys, thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoy. 90s DC has such a strong place in my heart. Um, the characters I grew up with that meant the most to me that really drew me in were Bart Allen, Connor Kent, Tim Drake, Kyle Rayner. I just think, I think 90s DC, like that era with Grant Morrison's JLA is one of the top eras of comics for me um, that I would put probably the current Dawn of X up there as well in terms of things that like mean the most and are just so well done. This past week, uh, Tom Taylor's deceased Hope at World's End wrapped up with its 15th mini issue. And this was a uh, digital first from DC Comics. It had art primarily by Marco Faila with um, some fill-in issues, uh, colors by Rex Locus and letters by Saida Temafonte. 
And I'll be honest, even though I've heard the best things about it and I love the horror movie poster covers, I never read any of the other deceased books. But when I found out that this one had the old 90s Flash family in uh, some of the early issues, including Bart Allen as Impulse, I I jumped right in and immediately subbed. Like I was as close as you can literally get to the Futurama take my money meme. (laughs) In a post-zombie apocalypse anti-life equation world, like Tom Taylor takes the best versions of characters from across the DC eras and seamlessly weaves them together for the most likable DC comic I've read in ages. It says a lot about the current state of DC that a non-canonical collage of characters is what feels most natural. But I mean, that's 2010's DC Comics for you. This series has the 90s Flash family. It has the current Super Sons. It has Vendetti's current take on the Hawk people and Taylor's own new Suicide Squad characters. It has Detective Chimp running around with Ace the Bat Hound. That's amazing. It has pre-Blackest Night Green Arrow and Black, nay, Green Canary, because Dinah's got a Green Lantern ring. It's got Harley and Ivy. It's It's got Talia Al Ghul teaming around with Damien and embarrassing because she's his mom. It's It's got so much great stuff. Yeah, I um, missed him again, too. And it's got Hartley Rathaway as the Pied Piper and... I, I just I the characters and getting these characters back and the versions that I love most and that feel the most right and seeing them have real arguments and and agency and the dynamics all being there and like and there's absolutely like I don't think there's any relationship stuff in here outside of like characters that are already in like positive loving relationships. There's genuine platonic friendships and sorority and fraternity among these characters and they're real they're played so real and it wrapped up this last week on issue 15 and i just have to say this is what i've been missing from dc comics this comic feels like it was made for me and i enjoyed it so much dc dc's deceased hope at world's end All right, so I'm going to talk about another DC book because I know that there's going to be a whole episode on Hellions, which highly recommend. I loved every second of it. Emma shading, just sinister, just gave me all the life. But Endless Winter over at DC, the first issue just came out this week and it set up a really interesting thing where it's this new Justice League fight against a new villain. And I'm always a sucker for new villains, for new characters to see what's going to happen because I get bored of the same old thing. So it's this new guy that claims to be like a god of winter and destruction and death and such. And it's hilarious because Aquaman and Wonder Woman are like, that's not one of my gods and they're like that's not one of my gods there and the flash is like who's that guy and they're like pay attention he just screamed it and it's just the plot is amazing the humor is on point the action is really good the art is gorgeous and it's something that it's like you don't have to like totally like dive in and fully commit to it's a limited run series so it'll be something to just read and if that's your thing cool if not you don't have to read other dc stuff around it so yeah that would be my recommendation that sounds like a pretty easy pick to jump in on Now, Jonah, what have you read lately that took your attention? So, I have finally found some time to read some comics to broaden my horizons and to give myself a breadth of knowledge that maybe not everybody else has. And I would like to recommend The Twelve. Ah, 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 ah. After my own heart. Well, it, it was through Nico's suggestion to read it because I became a fan of Clairvoyant Black Widow. She's cool. If I would have a recommendation of redoing this, 
I would prefer there at least be one other woman because out of 12 heroes you introduced, you only have one woman. Well, these are all actually famous pulp characters from prior to the Marvel superhero age. So they just kind of unfortunately went with what they had. That's very fair. But I have been really enjoying it so far. I'm only still in the early couple of issues on it, but it's still a very fascinating and interesting read to me. I like that it's the perspective of the Phantom, uh, the Phantom Reporter. And, yes, uh, I'm very excited to see uh, what Claire does because she's the whole reason I'm reading this. Now, it's not hard if you know me to know my suggestion from this week. <laughs> I. I can't say enough about Chip Zardsky's ridiculous run on Daredevil, whether it's the Nornstones making Mike Murdoch real, or it's finding new and inventive ways to put Daredevil up against the law. This has been one of the most rewarding reading experiences as a Daredevil fan. Like, X-Men is probably my number two. Daredevil's probably my number one. And Daredevil number 25 did something I've wanted since I was a little boy. Like, I mean, actual little boy. My first comic was Daredevil Man Without Fear 1 through 5. And I got something this week that I'm just, I'm not going to spoil because I don't know how current everybody is. But for those in the know, for those who know that last splash page from Daredevil 25, Chip is doing work that I I can't even believe they're letting him do because it's such fan service. (laughs) And I literally couldn't be more excited to see where he's going to go next. So if anybody wants something to pick up, I definitely recommend picking up the Chip Zardsky run of Daredevil. Now you can actually start with number one using Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited has the first numbers of issues, or if you're a Comixology Unlimited person, the first two trades are up. But If you put off jumping in on this run for too much longer, you're going to probably find yourself frustrated by the amount of spoilers because that last page reveal changed everything for Daredevil. But uh, hey, anyone reading anything good? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question, guys. So I picked up (laughs) uh, (laughs) Dead Planet. That's been amazing so far. Like this last issue of uh, DC Dead Planet, that was crazy. I I don't know if anybody's reading it. Like, oh phenomenal yeah i uh i am not familiar do you uh do you have a little uh can you spin into a synopsis for me so basically it's uh dc universe zombies so instead of like marvel zombies it's dc universe zombies uh what was it cyborg was infected with an anti-life thing Mm -hmm. from apocalypse and it spread to the hero community they've done several miniseries on it um this one is at it's the penultimate issue so They've set up like a big uh, Ten of Swords like finale type of thing coming on where they're going to have to fight the Amazos, where they're going to have to try to cure the zombies, where they're going to have to try to um, just like save humanity, save the planet at that point. God, DC <clears throat> is just out of control. <laughs> DC is as as I have I have been as listeners might know a very casual comic fan my entire life, but I've been an exclusively Marvel fan as it comes to reading week to week. Uh, I pick up DC trades, but I haven't read anything uh, to to say that I'm current would be would be 
and how a bold lie. Um, but wow, DC sounds like it's out of control right now. Um, yeah. One thing that's really fun with this series is that uh, Tom Taylor's been taking like a lot of like they've been giving him a lot of um, creative like creative freedom, which is yeah. pretty rare <laughs> to this extent that he's getting. The first series we got to see like a Black Canary Green Lantern, which is pretty cool. Yes, yes. And she's honestly one of the best parts of this. Uh, uh, series i do love dina as a green lantern it's phenomenal really like phenomenal. i really wish it was canon because shit <laughs> <laughs> i would read that series <laughs> also another uh, a dc this time again far sector is yes. amazing it's a green lantern book it's set in i don't even remember what planet but it's set in a totally different planet um it's got joe as she's the the green lantern of it she is from earth right robbie uh, yeah i think yeah. so she's from earth but she's been transplanted to this planet she's she's amazing she's this kick-ass heroine oh i love it so far that's like the extent of my dc love though right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah far sector is honestly (laughs) one of the best books that dc is putting out right now 100 percent nk jemison and jamal campbell are doing a phenomenal job with this series like i really wish nk jemison like continues working on comics because she's hit she's phenomenal (laughs) yeah uh is anybody reading champions i am (laughs) there is at the end there's a nice little x-men nod so like it's 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 been a it's been a really uh it was actually a really cool issue so far seeing the heroes the young heroes rebel against kamala's law you do have silhouette who's a mutant she appears so yay b-ball who i'm kind of like fuck speedball still but uh (laughs) (laughs) dust is also part of the cast which is pretty fun who was oh dust yeah yeah dust and then at, at the very end you've got scott summers coming in and like because the the champions are about to be arrested scott summer comes in and he's like nope these guys are um refugees for krakoa now so you can't touch them so ha, ha, ha. Huh. oh that's cool yeah yeah it's really cool so i was originally going to say that i haven't re- really been reading anything besides what we cover for the the podcast but i've completely forgot that a while ago i had fallen behind on on thor as it was transitioning over to donny cates oh. and uh i had i had lost one of my issues um in that time so when i finally found it while i was cleaning i was like okay i'm starting this up and i'm gonna read it and i've gotten three issues into it and i'm enjoying it a lot so far so yeah that's what i'm reading oh (laughs) and uh and i have the gail simone run of wonder woman uh on cyber monday so i have that queued up as well oh you're gonna have to let me know how that is because i love gail simone and i've never read that run of wonder woman yeah same (laughs) (laughs) I've heard a lot of good things about it, so it's it's been one of the things that I I've kept looking for and haven't been able to find. So I I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to buy it on Comixology, and I'll see how it is. <gasps> oh, did anybody read King in Black number one? 
Not I, yet. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's big. It's epic. It actually made me want to read Venom because I hate Venom. So, like, with that passion. But, like, Eddie Brock was actually likable in it. So, I was like, ooh, that's kind of exciting. But there are some good key moments in it, especially X-Men related. Um, you've got Storm coming in. And she's basically saving the day because Thor is taking care of his own stuff in his own book right now. Um, and then you've got, like, you see, like, Gene and Professor Xavier is just being his stupid douche self. And then you've got, is that Old Man Cable? It looks like Old Man Cable, but I'm sure. So I think it's supposed to be current Cable. Like, right. <laughs> it was, like, an artistic mistake by hmm. accident. Yeah. Yeah, he looks very Old Man Cable, even though it's, <laughs> even though it's Babel. It's like, okay. But they did tone it down from the original art they showed, which was, like, Full on like old cable. So, anything, any other books anybody else is reading right now? Or I am, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a, it's not an X book. It's not a, it's not a big two book. Uh, I'm rereading DMZ by Brian Wood and Ricardo Bercielli. For anybody who is not familiar, DMZ takes place five years into a ceasefire in the Second American Civil War. The Free State's Army began as a idea out west and gained traction as it moved uh, east and found its footing in New Jersey, where a first invasion of Manhattan against the United States Army was uh, was underway. And we're five years into ceasefire. There haven't been cameras on the ground in Manhattan in five years. And a uh, 20-something-year-old pissant journalist, Matty Roth, gets uh, dropped off and is the sole survivor of his convoy. And lives for years in Manhattan, uh, realizing that there are tens of thousands of people living like basically off the grid. And it is beautiful. Wow. It really is something special. And Ricardo Bercielli's depiction of Manhattan as a, as a tri-state area native is is something special so if you want to give yourself a break from the uh from the mutant books this wrapped up uh very neatly in 79 issues wow and i just saw they're getting hbo max series so read it before it comes out oh fuck <laughs> oh, me wow. really <laughs> yeah. i i you know what's so funny oh my god i i just my local comic store clockwork comics off Salem Road in Union, New Jersey, is uh, shout out Scott if he uh, if he listens. Um, I recently picked this up. It was Christmas of last year, and I got all twelve volumes for a hundred bucks. Wow! Um, Damn! It was it was wow. an absolute steal, and I always meant to sit down with it, and I sat down with it when quarantine began. And I got sidetracked because quarantine brain. Uh, so I just thought I'd come back to it before Christmas. So I knew I got my money's worth um, because I more than got my money's worth. And uh, I I had no idea. I have like no Google alerts or anything. So the fact that uh, it's getting an HBO series, holy shit. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now you really got me wanting to go read the series. So I'm going to definitely add that to my list. Wow. That sounds really cool. 